0: I'd like you this morning to think about a moment in your life where you've noticed something just really beautiful or things have felt really good. And where you've looked around and it's been, oh, you see, like the world is, there's, there's beauty in the world, or maybe you see beauty in people, or, and it's just this, this is a special moment. And I'd like you to consider if, even in that really beautiful moment, you still also had a sense that something still wasn't quite what it should be. I know I've had that sometimes. I mean, there have been moments where I've kind of just forgotten about what's wrong in the world at times. And at the same time, even in those really beautiful moments, sometimes it's like, oh, the world is beautiful, and yet something's not right. And it's not just because you woke up late March on a Saturday morning to a foot of snow. You know? <laughs> like, that's clearly not right. <laughs> but there's other things in this world that just like, oh, there's something... Not right. Sometimes maybe it's a baseline general feeling we have that things aren't right. Maybe it's things that we see in the world that we're like, "Ah, there's something wrong in the world today. Well, it's been that way for a long time, but still there's something wrong. Or maybe it's specific things in your life that you're just, something's gone wrong and you just don't know how to make it right. And that's a hard thing when we we feel like something's not right and we're maybe not sure what it is or or what to do about it but our lesson today our lesson today actually is going to show us how how God sets things right it's going to help us ponder and think about the way that things will, will will turn out right because today's lesson is about how love means new life and as we're thinking new we're not just thinking like fresh start but like new in quality where things are right. This lesson continues this Lent season. Lent means love, where we're preparing our hearts for what the cross is, is. really all about how God loved us so much that Jesus died to pay for our sins, to set us right with him. And he died so he could rise again on Easter Sunday to give us new life. God's love means new life for us. Our lesson today is 1 John chapter 2 verses 28 to 29. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Now, we've reviewed how First John works a number of times so far in this series, so we're not going to spend much time doing that. But two main details to keep in your mind as we get into this lesson today is... First of all, the fact that First John, while it is a letter, doesn't flow in that linear fashion. It has a cyclical repetition um, that, it's, that it's using to really emphasize a theme and a point. I want you to especially have that in your mind today, because the way we're going to study our lesson actually will be cyclical in a way to really bring home the point. So we're going to see it in the lesson itself. Also, much of what is in John flows out of the Gospel of John. Especially you want to have in your mind today how in the Gospel of John it talked about how in him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all men. So Jesus came to bring life. Light and life and love are all connected. And they stand in contrast to darkness, death, and hate. So you have this contrast between light, dark, life, death, love, hate. And Jesus is a source of life. We've gone through a number of lessons so far already with this series. We started with this really foundational lesson about how we don't need to hide our sin. Actually, God would call us not to, to hide sin in the dark, but to bring it out into the light so we can embrace that we're forgiven. This is such a great foundational lesson because it's, it's the answer when we run into challenges and in all the other lessons. It just, we just go back there to the fact that love lives in the light. We talked about how God wants us to, to have a real life, not a fake life. So love hates lies. Love is meant to be lived. Last week, we talked about how love lives forever, how we've been given life from God, and it continues now going forward on into eternity. And today, we're going to talk about what this new life is like, how God has loved us so much that we get to have this new life, because love means new life. As we get into our lesson, it starts off, like our lessons have shown already a couple times, where he says, now, dear children. Remember, this is something from from John that actually you can see flowing the same kind of heart that Jesus has, or Jesus has had for us and his disciples, where earlier in John, he said, I write to you, dear children, while in the Gospel of John, Jesus described his disciples or addressed his disciples, my dear children. This is coming from a place This lesson today is coming from a place of love and deep care for the people reading this lesson. Love and deep care for us. So it starts off, now, dear children, continue in him. So I want to pause at that phrase, because when you see the word continue, sometimes it just means, like, keep going is the idea. But here, while I can have that application, it literally means to remain or to stay. Or to abide. So you think about, um, you know, say if you after, like often when you say when you're done with college, you're in an apartment at first because maybe you're not sure where your job's going to land or where things are going to go. You want to have it be relatively temporary, you know, but maybe there comes a point where you get a job and you're like, you know what? We're staying here. We're going to settle down, put down some roots, time to buy a home. Not right now in Cottage Grove, by the way. At the chamber meeting the other day, so there's like no houses for sale. Not the time. Anyway, um, but uh, you get to a point where like, now's the time, I'm going to settle down, I'm going to buy a home, and I'm going to stay here. That's the idea with this word. Is that you want to remain, you want to stay in Jesus. You want to put down roots. You're not just going to keep up and moving around. Stay right here in him. Which takes us now to thinking about, okay, well, what does it mean to stay in him? Like, what part of Jesus? Well, Just think about everything we've been through so far, how love lives in the light, love hates lies, love's meant to be lived, that eternal life, stay in everything that he has been teaching us so far about Jesus. Now, I want you to get your worship folder out, especially if you're a note taker, and um, I made a goofy, kind of rough, connect the dot in your worship folder today, that's going to make a rough circle by the time we get done. (laughs) And uh, it's, this is where we're going to be studying it. Like I mentioned, the, the lesson is going to be in this. We're going to study it in like a cyclical way. So here's what I want you to do first is draw a line from the top dot here over to the right. And here's the first thing Then you write above it. Stay in Jesus. That's your first point that he wants you to do. When you think about this new life, that God gives you, this is a new life that, that starts with staying in Jesus. That's the first message. Love means new life. He wants you to have new life, so stay in Jesus. Then he goes on to say, so that when he appears, or when he steps into the light. What are we talking about? What day is he talking about when, when, when Jesus appears? Right now, we're, we're thinking about, when we're, we're focusing forward to the day, there's going to be this day where Jesus returns. Or as Paul says it in Acts 17:31, God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So there's going to be a day when Jesus returns to judge the world in justice. Often, people we talk might refer to this as, as Judgment Day. I personally like, like to say Justice Day, or, or, maybe the, or maybe refer to it as the day that, that Jesus is going to set things right because it's judgment, but it's also to, to make things right. And we're going to talk today about how he does so. We're going to flesh that out. So, right now, he's, he's encouraging us to remain in Jesus, to look forward to the day when Jesus will return. To set all things right. So that's your next line from dot to dot. He will return to set all things, to set all things right. Look forward to that day as you think about the new life, the new life he's given you. Now, on that day, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. It's an interesting uh, word pictures here in the original language. The word confident. It literally means, like, to, with all speech, that you, you, you let your words pour out when you see them. So you, you think about, say, you've got a good friend or family member, and you're happy to see them, and it's like, hey, how's it going? How's the family? Good to see you. And you're just ha- so happy, right? And you, you're, you're talking. You're not, like, holding back. That's held in contrast to being ashamed, so the word unashamed, it, it has the at, at its core the idea of being having some sort of disfigurement or like a disgrace. Like I think back to uh, when uh, like in middle school when I would get a pimple and if I saw a girl I thought was cute and then like you try to walk in a way where you're always keeping your pimple side away from her, right, because you don't want anyone to see this weird thing you got going on, you know, or here's the other thing I thought of right away. Um, so... There's this goofy thing that happens as a pastor is that sometimes when I'm at Piggly Wiggly, I will see someone in the store who I haven't seen here for a while. And you can tell by their body language that they're like, oh no, pastor's here. <laughs> and they kind of shrink back. And then we end up like bumping into each other. And I can and their body language is confirmed by the first thing out of their mouth is, so Pastor, this is why I haven't been in church for a while. And I bring that up. Partly because it's what I thought of, but also I just want to say, if that's ever you, I am just happy to see you, by the way. Like, you don't have to, like, shrink back and, like, avoid, oh, no, pastor's go into the deli section, I'm going the other. <laughs> You're like, you don't ever have to do that, okay? I'm just happy to see you. And when I ask how are you, I really do just want to know how are you, not where have you been, okay? So that's part of why I <laughs> bring that up. So the idea here is that when that day comes... You don't need to be be shrinking back and hiding and like, oh, there's Jesus. Where's the way around him into the new creation, into the resurrection? Like, that's not how it works. When you see Jesus, this is great. Jesus, I have been wanting my whole life to see you face to face. I have been longing for this day. It is so good to see you. This, This is what he wants us to be able to do. So connect your next dot so that when Jesus returns... Stay in Jesus so that when he returns, you don't have to hide. You don't have to be ashamed. You can just, oh, Lord, it's so good. It's so good to see you. Love means new life, a life where we, are, we don't have to hide from God, where we can look forward to that day where he returns. And it's not a day of, of, of fear for us, but a day of, I can step forward and embrace him. He goes on to say then, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. It's just interesting, by the way, that word know, it, uh, there, there's two different words for know in this verse. And the first word for know, it, it, it's more the idea of perceive. It's the idea that if you, you look at something and then you're seeing what you see leads to what you know. So that's why it's perception right? You're able to look at it and kind of figure it out. So when you look at Jesus through eyes of faith, you're able to perceive that he is righteous. So you look at him and you see that he's is perceived that he is righteous. So if you've perceived that, that Jesus is righteous, then something then that you naturally know is that those then who also do righteousness that go with Jesus, that those who do righteousness have been born of him. So, scripture uses the term born of in a variety of ways, so don't take that in too literal of a way, obviously. Jesus did not give birth in that way, but we have this idea of a life that flows from, that he has, you have a new life that comes from Jesus. So if you've perceived through your eyes of faith that Jesus is righteous, then you know that everyone who does what is right has a new life that comes from him, has been born of him. We're actually going to, as we think about how this new life moves forward, connect the, next, the rest of the dots right away. So if you see he's righteous, that's your bottom dot. And then connect that over to doing righteousness. And I'm gonna, you're going to see why I put do righteousness instead of do right um, in a minute here. And then born of him. Is the next dot. So you can complete the rough circle here. We have this this cycle. You stay in Jesus, He will return to set things right. You won't need to hide when He does. If you see that He's righteous and do righteous, you see that He's righteous. You'll know that those who do righteousness are born of Him. Stay in Jesus. We have this circle here. As you think about all these things, we've kind of worked through them relatively quickly, but I really want to focus in on this one right here. Do righteousness. Because we're going to fill this circle with what righteousness is all about. Because in righteousness, we're going to understand or see more of how Jesus makes things right. And what a life of righteousness is about and, and what it means that he's going to come and, and bring righteousness to the world. That's first of all, let, let's get into this word where it says what is right. It literally says does righteousness. So that's why I, I put that in the, the connected dot there. So it's righteousness or justice. So who does righteousness or justice or equity, uh, which i included in here partly because I I realize I think often in our world we confuse equity and equality like they're not the same Um, where equality is like about being same basically equity is about justice according to what is right doing what is right so that everyone who does righteousness does justice or does things with equity now probably not surprised to hear me say that the word righteousness has layers of meaning like many biblical words do. So what we're going to do now, we're going to work through those layers of what righteousness is about or justice or equity. First of all, when you think about righteousness, often you think about, say, like Psalm 119.7. It says, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. So what, what is righteousness connected to there in Psalm 119? the laws of God, right? So often when we think about being righteous, we think about following the laws, the laws of God. Now, with that, even with the word law, there's another layer to keep in mind. We've talked about this a few weeks ago, is why are God's laws God's laws? They're not just rules to a game. They're actually helping us understand how we were created to live. So someone who is righteous because they follow God's laws is righteous because they are living actually the way they were designed to live. As far, actually I love the dictionary definition for, for, for someone who is righteous when it really lays it out or stretches it out like in the longer exp- explanation is the state of him who is such as he ought to be. So righteousness is being as you ought, as you were created, as you were designed. Think about how God created Adam and Eve and what God created humanity to do. That's layer one of what it means, of what righteousness is about. It's about making us as we were created to be. So making us as we were created to be. And that can kind of be an umbrella one that will work its way into the rest of these. But it's a good starting point it also has some unique characteristics itself. So when Jesus returns it's going to make us as we were created to be. That's the first layer for what this new life this new life will be. But now also there's a layer that you see in Leviticus 1915 you shall do no injustice in court you shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. It's this really interesting thing. We talked about this some in our small group, actually, um, recently. At least I don't, I think it was in the booklet, but I know we had conversations on the small groups I was uh, facilitating. Is that the more I read the Old Testament, the more I've come to realize that one of God's things that he was really frustrated with the people of Israel about was how terrible they were at judging. Like their leaders were to be judged judges between people, even Moses. There's this account of how how Moses ended up appointing like 70 people, and the positions he appointed them to were judges, because people would bring cases, kept bringing cases to Moses to help them decide, and he couldn't handle all of them, so he appointed these judges. This was part of the rule of leaders in in Israel. And one of the things that really, that God would, would call out again and again was, when people judged Partially, Like you were partial to the poor or you were partial to the wealthy. Like you judged and you showed favoritism. This highly angered God when he saw this amongst his people. God wants us to see people and, and to do what is right, not to do the thing for the person you like more or you are leaning towards. To judge impartially. So when Jesus returns and we think about, about what righteousness is, that we're going to see that he comes in a way that is impartial. It's not that he's showing favoritism one way or another. Finally, there's going to be a judge who just simply does what is right. So when you think about the new life that comes with Jesus, this new life is a life that is characterized by impartiality, of simply just doing what's right regardless of who you are or what's your background or backstory. There's another layer, It's like in Psalm 103.6, where the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. So when you think about the word oppressed in the, the, the original language, it's the idea of being pushed down. And there can be various ways where people are being taken advantage of or being, being hurt and pushed down. You can see them think about throughout our world today. Maybe you think of like like maybe like a concrete example, like a clear one is like human trafficking or whatever may be. There's a number of other examples. Some of them are really clear like that. Others may be be less clear. Um, But there's we're being pushed down, and so the righteousness in Scripture, God often calls out His people for oppressing others. Do not oppress people. Do not push them down. When when God brings righteousness for the oppressed, he will lift them up rather than press them down. So part of this new life means deliverance for the oppressed. Deliverance for the oppressed. This new life is characterized by lifting up those who have been pushed down. And now also Psalm 94, 1 to 2. O Lord, the God who avenges, O God who avenges, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Pay back to the proud what they deserve. It's another thing. When you read through the Psalms, especially you see this a lot, is that there is a longing for the day that God brings proper justice for wrongs that were done. For God, punish, punish the wrongdoing in the world. Bring justice for it. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And it's something that just, it's good for us to kind of think through because sometimes when people look at God's justice and judgment, it's like, you know, in our world today, why, how would a loving God punish people? And why, you know, that word has such negative ba- uh, baggage and so on. To help us with it, I, I brought this balance back that I had, we've had a few weeks ago, Right? And remember, the scales is a part of an image of of justice, right? And if somebody has done something bad to you, hurtful to you, but they don't get any punishment, or it's so light in return, something really feels off, doesn't it? And actually, it looks like, and because often this was used also to determine value, this was in the context of values when we used the scale before, this balance before, it shows, it looks like your life is not very valuable compared to what happened to you. This is part of why we have this longing for justice in our world today. We have this sense that, like, if something wrong has been done to us, there, there should be an, a proper, equal justice for it, right? In the world, even, it's interesting, even the very, very secular world, when, when there's a wrong that's committed and there's no justice, gets angry. And looks at it and says, what's going on? Where's, where's the value for this person here? And it's one of those things. If you really care about and love and value someone, if something happens to them, you will want there to be something showing value of that person. And so there's this longing for God to, to bring justice against the wrongdoing that's been done, the sin that's been done. There's also often the Old Testament will use the word vindication, to show that his people were in the right, that while the world was looking and saying, well, look, they've got it easy, they're rich, and they don't care about God. them. That must be the right way, that there will be a day when God's people will stand with him in the right, vindicated for believing him. This is a great call for righteousness. This is all over in God's word. So when Jesus returns, there will be this dealing with wrongdoing. Bringing righteousness includes dealing with the wrongdoing. Now, as you think about him dealing with wrongdoing, this is a good time for us to pause and to recognize that this list at first glance can make us maybe not feel like we can be so, ah, Jesus, it's great to see you. Because we have not often lived as we were created to live, Right? We haven't often done righteousness. We often sin against God and we have turned away from Him. We also, maybe not in the situation of, of a judge officially, but we all in various ways have judged partially. Like it's just our human nature, and our sinful nature, that when, when, when we do something wrong, we make an excuse for it, like, ah, it's because I was whatever, right? I was tired, I was stressed, whatever. But when somebody else does something wrong, can you believe them? You know, we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, but the other person, like, can you believe that person? Like, we're so quick, and we show favoritism. You know, we, we just, we have this bias that we're so quick to follow. Whether it's with people we like, or things going on in the world, or Groups we associate, or whatever it is, there's so much bias in our world and in our lives. We've been partial judges. And then what about oppressing people? There's various ways. You know, it's that pastime. It. Why is it so enjoyable to talk about how bad somebody's been? You know, like you get together. And like, did you hear about so and so? They did this thing. Can you, do you believe what they're doing over there? And this is even tempting for pastors because it's really tempting to, like, kind of dress it in. Well, I'm just, I'm just caring about the church. <laughs> no, you're just complaining about people. <laughs> not, in, not our church. I mean, like, other church pastors. None of you. None of you. It's not what I meant. That came out the wrong way. Sometimes we can kind of camouflage our pushing people down as if, well, we're just righteously angry. Are we? Or are we just putting people down? You know, And so when you think about Jesus coming to deal with wrongdoing, we've got a lot of wrongdoing. So that's where sometimes you think about Judgment Day, we you're like, ah, can I really step out and, hey, Jesus, it's so great to see you. But that's why it was so wonderful that we started, or that John started at the beginning of First John, talking about not hiding your sins, but bringing them out. Because remember, 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all what? Unrighteousness. So whenever you realize that you have not lived the way you were created to, whenever you realize that you have been impartial, that you have pushed people down, whenever you realize that, confess it. Lay it out there. And we lay this before the cross, confident that he is faithful and he is just, to cleanse us from it. You, through faith in Jesus, are cleansed. God is not holding any of this against you. He is not seeing, ah, you're unrighteous or anything like that. Through faith in Christ, you are clean. Which takes us to this next line. Jesus dealing with wrongdoing also means that our wrongs are removed. There's going to be a day where Jesus returns, and anybody who's not in Christ, they're going to be stuck in their sin, and there's going to be full justice for what they've done wrong. They're going to experience what that's like. For anybody who is in Christ, all the justice was already met in Jesus. Full justice. Justice has been met, it's been paid, and the beauty is we've been cleansed from it because it already was placed on Jesus when he died on the cross. He paid for your sin and mine right there. It's the only way full justice could really be met is in the cross, and it's the only way that justice could be met and we can still be in the right. It's through Jesus. It's through the cross. It's why it's so beautiful. Love means new life, for we can step forward and our wrongs have been dealt with. And as we think about this new life and how God has given this to us, there's, there's another, there's maybe one final layer to righteousness that, that it's, just, it's, really, it's, it's a layer that it honestly took me a while to really get. Probably until this week. <laughs> there's a couple of lines in the familiar sections of scripture that lead up to Christmas. Ah, I was reading Christmas sections. Maybe that's why it snowed. And there are a couple of lines that always confused me until I studied the term righteousness. There's this line, so after Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, and at this point, this is when he thinks that it's because she's been unfaithful, we're told that because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her her quietly. That line always confused me because well, according to, if you want to really go back, remember there's that scene where Jesus, um, they want to stone the woman caught in adultery? Right? It's because they're appealing to the law to say that. In the old Old Testament law, you could stone a woman caught in adultery. So, saying Joseph is righteous, so therefore, he's not having her done that, that's confused me. It would seem, oh, if he's really righteous for the Old Testament law, shouldn't he have her stoned? but that's not where his righteousness is here. The term righteousness also has the flavor of doing doing the the right thing and according to your relationship. So according to the law, he could say, yeah, she's stoned. But according to God's law of being a loving husband who cares about her, who wants what's best for her, the right thing was to divorce her quietly. By the Old Testament law, it could have been one, but by the law of what a heart of a husband should have, He did what was righteous. There's another aspect, too. And this is kind of from the other perspective. Talking about um, John the Baptist's parents, they were described as being upright in sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and regulations. Does this mean that John the Baptist's parents never sinned? Of course not. Scripture's very clear. Everybody sins. But in terms of their relationship to the covenant, to God... God's expectation is not that his people would never sin, but that when they would do, they would turn back to him and they would trust in him. There's there's a way the relationship is meant to work. You can be righteous in terms of a relationship, not meaning that you never did anything wrong, but that you are working in how this relationship is meant to go. And that gives us comfort when we think about how things are meant to go with God. Righteousness with God is more than just never doing something wrong. It's about about having a relationship that is designed to work a certain way. Our relationship with God is restored. And the way this relationship works is that that he has set us right. Jesus has done it all. We are right with him through faith. And God's expectation is not now that we're never going to sin or mess up. You can be righteous before God and sin and mess up. But you are righteous for God because the way this relationship works is whenever you sin and mess up, Jesus cleanses you from that sin. The Spirit of God empowers you now to leave that sin behind you and step forward and look forward to that day. Your relationship with God is restored. Now let's take a look at this whole whole picture here in front of us. John starts off, stay in Jesus. Look forward to a day where he's returned to set things right. On that day, you can come on on like, hey Jesus, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad to see you knowing, knowing that you are righteous and knowing that in this life, I'm going to do righteousness because I've been born in him. Now, I want to stay in Jesus. See how this cycles through? born of Jesus, stay in Jesus. Look forward to Jesus returning, know what he's going to return to do. Live in what he's going to return to do. You've been born again, stay in Jesus. Just keep flowing it through and what's at the center of your life is righteousness. Look forward to the day where Jesus returns and sets everything right, where he makes us as we are created to be it's impartial. He delivers the oppressed, deals with wrongdoing, our wrongs are removed. Look forward to where we stand there in that perfect relationship with him and know that through faith in Christ, you've been born again to that life now. Your life now can be characterized by beginning to live more the way God created you to live. It can be characterized by leaving behind that partiality, can be characterized by, by Lifting up, people have been pushed down. Be characterized by by knowing that God's going to set things right justice-wise, and that means that I am set right with him through Christ. Live knowing that you are right with him, and that relationship is restored. Look forward to that day. Remember what that day is about. Live in the reality of that day today. You've been born again. Stay in Jesus. He loves you enough to give you a new life. Love means new life. Stay, live that new life.